night we have come to a fruit that I really don't think about much uh, because when you hear the word, you may not really understand what the word is. Um, but uh, once we get dig into it, I think you're really going to realize that this is a essential part of the character of Christ. And for us as Christians, this should be an essential part of our walk. And when we are not walking in the Spirit, this will be missing. And this is a tough, tough uh, fruit to identify. But like I said, once we get it identified, I think you're really, really going to see it um, in action. And so Galatians 5, 22 through 23, that's the verses we've been studying. Literally, we call them the fruit of the Spirit. And this is just really Christ personified. This is a list of the character of Christ um, pictured as the fruit of the Spirit. And when you get to Galatians 5, he lists these nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we already talked about these, uh, several of these. We talked about joy. We talked about patience. We've talked about goodness. We've talked about gentleness. Now we're going to talk about kindness tonight. We've come to the fruit kindness. When the president, uh, George W. Bush, was inaugurated of the United States of America, everybody was wanting to hear what kind of challenge he would give to the nation. And his challenge was one that he said, I wish or my hope is that our country will become kind. That we will be a kinder nation. And I thought, what a challenge uh, for the President of the United States not to challenge them to do anything else, but one of the challenges he had was for them to be kinder. And if you think about the nation needs kindness, our church needs kindness, our families need kindness, our friends need kindness, and you think about, well, what is kindness? We always start off by defining what kindness is. And kindness is in Galatians 5.22, like I said, but it comes from a root word, which at the essence means to be helpful, to be good, to be useful, or to be suitable. Uh, that's what it literally means. Uh, it means that you are helpful or useful. Uh, and I think a lot of us have a hard time defining it as far as in words, but when we experience it, we really know what kindness is. Kind of like uh, gentleness last week. And when you think about kindness in a biblical sense, kindness is not love because love is the inward motive, but kindness is the action it's the action part of love. One preacher said it's kindness. Uh, kindness is love with shoe leather on it. Meaning like what good is it if you tell everyone you love them, but you never do anything about it? You see, love is the motivation and kindness is the shoe leather. Kindness is the action. Kindness is the tangible part of love. 
It's the part that compels or the part that you tangibly act upon the love from your heart. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love is kind. So when you're in a relationship, you love them, but that love works its way out in action. And so all kindness is is simply love in practical and personal ways. Uh, That's what kindness is. Practically and consistently acting out love to people and situations in our life. Is that not a beautiful description of kindness? When you think about it, it's it's everyday, practical, consistent action uh, out of love for people and situations. As with all fruit, Let's begin looking at some, the kindness of God. The kindness of God is found throughout the whole Bible. Beginning in the Garden of Eden. Back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam ran from God. He thought he was hiding from God. But you really can't hide from God, right? And he was, thought he was hiding from God, but yet God had come to the Garden. You remember what God did? God called out to Adam, Adam! Where are you? See, God already knew where Adam was, and God already knew what Adam had done, but yet he still called out to Adam. That was kindness. That was an act of love to call Adam back into his presence. You see, Adam knew he sinned. God knew he sinned. The justice of God would have left him there to be separated from God for eternity, but yet kindness came in. And God demonstrated kindness that even in Adam's failure, God acted upon his love for Adam and displayed, uh, displayed kindness to him and wanted to commune with Adam again, wanted him to come back into presence and communication with God. Fast forward it to the nation of Israel. They were in oppression and remember, they were, they were a nation that was under oppression from Egypt. And so it got to a point that they cried out to God. And God heard their prayers and He was moved because of their prayers. And even though He loved them, yet the kindness of God sent a deliverer. He said, I've heard your prayers and now my kindness is going to act on it. And He sent Moses to deliver them. And over and over in the Old Testament, you see God's kindness as He moves towards His people, as He he practically, tangibly expresses or manifests His love on behalf of His people to rescue them or to help them. And of course, in the New Testament, we get the ultimate example of It's when God sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die for us and our salvation. That was the ultimate act of kindness. Yes, God is love, but what if God never acted on that love? What if God never moved with kindness toward us and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us? Titus 3, 3-7, verse 3-7 through says... For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But 
when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared uh, toward man, appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see that? So, but when the kindness that that God's love was acted upon, that was the kindness that He sent His Son, that out of God's kindness was the action of sending Jesus Christ for you and for me. The Bible calls the coming of Jesus Christ the act or the manifest of kindness of God to you and to me. Just by the way, have you ever experienced this kindness? Have you experienced this kindness of God in your own life? That God so loved, that's the love, that He gave. That's the kindness. See, that's a beautiful compliment. He loved, but He acted on it because He gave. By the way, if anyone ever tells you they love you, but they never act upon it, is it really worth anything? It's got to be both together. They, they come married together. It's the love and kindness, the love and the action that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, the kindness of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. What an ultimate example of kindness exhibited on display. You think about it. The kindness of God... That sets the standard for you and for me. The kindness of God that sets the example. That should give us the motivation as Christians to yield to the Holy Spirit. To allow Him to produce this kindness in you and me. If we try to yield to the Holy Spirit's work in our life, it will produce kindness. Now a lot of times, if we're having a hard time grasping what something is, if we define what the opposite is we kind of get more of the understanding of what the Word is. And I find it interesting, the opposite opposite of the word kindness here in the Greek is apathy. It's apathy. And if you think about it, if kindness is acting at our love, and the opposite of kindness is apathy, it's indifference. It's that we may have compassion or we may look upon people with love or our heart might feel love, but instead of responding in the fruit of the Spirit of kindness that does something about it, we respond in apathy. We go, ah, I might take it, I might leave it, right? It's an attitude or behavior that says, I'm not going to get involved, In other words, you are saying, I can care less about the people or the mission of God in my life. I can take it and I can leave it, and I'm going to leave it because I'm just full of apathy. Well, I'm going to tell you, there should be no such thing as an apathetic Christian. No such thing. Matter of fact, an apathetic Christian is, when you drop the A, is a pathetic Christian, right? (laughs) Now I know it's Wednesday night. But let me tell you, what I see in a lot of Christianity today is just apathetic Christians. And they're only, like I said, one letter away from pathetic Christians. And the reason why I say that is because they're operating in the flesh. They know what to do, and they know they should do it, 
But when it translates into action, which is the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, instead of coming out acting it, what comes out? Ah, who cares? I can care less. When God convicts you to get involved in the life of someone in your community, you go, ah. When God convicts you and you want to express love to other brothers and sisters in Christ and serve in the church, but you come and you say, ah, not this week. Maybe next month. Maybe next year. That's apathetic. And it's pathetic, right? (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, it is. There's no room for apathetic Christians in the mission of God. Let me tell you, more than any other time, when we think about it, as the end draws near, we better not be apathetic. Because let me tell you what happens to an apathetic Christian that comes from an apathetic church That's part of an apathetic movement. It's called the Church of Laodicea. And the Church of Laodicea, what the hallmark of them is that they are lukewarm. Let me tell you how pleased God is with lukewarm Christians. He says that I would would rather you hot or I'd rather you cold. But since you are lukewarm... I will spew you out of my mouth. That means spit or vomit or profusely push out of his mouth or away from his presence. I'm going to tell you, you don't want to meet Jesus Christ like that. When you get before Jesus Christ and as a Christian, when we have been moved by love in these times to to, to be a good witness, to serve our families well, to serve our church, but yet we sit back and we respond by the flesh and saying, ah, I'll take it or leave it. I'm lukewarm. Let me tell you what Jesus says, he's going to spew you out of my mouth, and me too. You know, as a pastor, as a leader of a church, this is one of the most disheartening things to, to deal with. I know there's a fine line with a lot of preachers and a lot of teachers today, to say, is, could there, is there really such a thing as an apathetic Christian? Because if you're a Christian, you really shouldn't be apathetic. And you, what they say is, well, they're probably unregenerate, which means they're lost. And if they're lost, they don't know better. But if they are, if they are saved, then they're disobedient to God and they're living in sin. Let me tell you, either way, Jesus is not happy with you. <laughs> All right? Either way. And you're not useful for the kingdom of God. And you're not serving the Lord because you're apathetic. Let me tell you, you're not yielding to the Spirit of God. You're not yielding to what God has called you to do as a Christian. Let me tell you, before I get too hard on everyone else, I fight it in my own life. I'll be honest with you. You know, preach or teach on Wednesday night after working all week. And you come to preach or teach, and you might have one or two people show up, and they have to because you're your family. <laughs> and you check on Facebook after the, the buzz has went down now because when the COVID-19 thing started, everybody was watching sermons, and everybody was wanting to know about devotions, and everybody was 
saying, oh, this is the Lord's judgment. Maybe we should get closer to God. And now a few months have passed by and guess what's happened? All the sermons and all the devotions and all the followers and all the people watching, guess what happened? Right into the tank. Do you know why? Apathetic. They just said, ah, well, it's getting better now and I'll go back to my life as usual and I still won't serve God and I still won't do what He wants me to do until the next crisis. And when the next crisis comes, maybe it'll push me out, maybe it'll make me try harder. The only problem is that is one time, there ain't going to be another time. When God comes, He says He's going to come like a thief in the night, right? It means that you're going to be serving God, and next moment, you're going to be gone. Like, like when God comes, His judgment is slow, but it's sure. When it happens, it's going to happen. There's going to be no second chance. You're not going to be going, hold on, God, give me, give me two years to serve you, and then come back. No. Bobby Welch, who's a great pastor, and an even better preacher, because he could preach it hot and, and straight. He was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Daytona. He was a Christian when he was younger, and he would go to, uh, he would go to, uh, he had to go to Vietnam. And he said he was, lived for the Lord when he was younger, but yet when he got put into Vietnam, he, uh, he said he got away from the Lord. And during Vietnam, what happened was he had come to a point where he had stepped on a, a landmine. Oh, don't worry about it. Nope. He had stepped on a landmine. Oh, I know. It's, it, when it's unstable internet connection, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and so he stepped on a landmine. And when he stepped on that landmine, it blew a hole in the side of his, in, in his side. And he said he was sitting there and he knew he was going to die. And he said it, the first thought that went through his mind, that, not that he was going to hell, but yet he looked up and he said he looked and Jesus was walking towards him. And he said, not that he was in fear of going to hell, but there was a shame that came over him. Because he knew for several years he had not been living for the Lord. He knew that God had called him. He knew that God had challenged him. And he backed away from his calling. He backed away from his uh, dedication to God saying he would serve him. And he said, the shame that overcame him, he said, God, give me another chance. If you give me another chance, I will give, serve you every day for the rest of my life. And the story, as the story goes, he got rescued. He got medevaced. They saved his life. He totally gave his life to Christ and full submission of his ministry. And he went on to pastor and serve in First Baptist Church of Daytona for many, many, many years. And he says, I want to tell you. As a Christian, you don't want to see Jesus when you're not serving Him. Because I could tell you the fear that I had in my heart because I knew I had grown cold and I was lukewarm. When I saw Jesus, He said, it literally shook me to the core. And listen, for in our lives, it's contagious. It's contagious because you do see a lot of apathetic Christians. 
And you see a lot of people who just don't care about the church, just don't care about serving God, just don't care about witnessing, just don't care about kids, teenagers, neighbors, family, friends. And sometimes you kind of just throw your hands up and go, <laughs> sometimes you give in a little bit and you start saying, well, they don't care, I don't care. Well, listen, as we yield to the fruit of the Spirit of kindness in our life, that's where the action part comes in. And for us as Christians, as those who are going to yield to the Spirit of God, we should not be lukewarm. We should be on fire for God. That, that the passion of the love of God it is in our heart and the kindness of God is compelling us to do something about it. I pray more than anything as a church that our church will stay on that path. We may not be big, but we better be sincere. And we better have a true heart to the Lord. And anyone who comes to this church ought to hear the Word of God, ought to serve God, and ought to fit into the plan of God for their life and not be lukewarm. Like, like let's serve God with passion. Let's serve God with kindness. Let's serve God with a zeal. Let me give you an example from the Bible. In uh, the Gospels, they record a story known as a Good Samaritan. And in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35, I'm going to read this account, and you can read it later. Actually, I'm going to go further now. I'm going to go all the way down to 37. Verse 30, it says, that Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Sure that didn't say Jacksonville? No, he said Jerusalem. <laughs> a certain man went to Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed and leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed him on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he had arrived at the same place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and as, when he saw him, he had kindness. There's the word. The same Greek word, kindness. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds and poured oil and wine and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which one of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Think about it. The Samaritan comes and he was the one who was supposed to be the one, the least of the three that was supposed to have kindness towards this man. And the Samaritan had kindness and he took action. He, he did something about it, and he went there, and, he, and he, he did, he expressed kindness. There was a grandmother that was with her grandkid. They went to the local post office, and they went in there, and so every week she would go in there, and she would go inside and buy stamps. And she would talk to the clerk there, and then she would put the stamp on her, her, her mail, put it in the box, they would leave. One day her grandson said, Grandma, 
you know that you can order these stamps online and you can have them shipped to you and you don't even have to go to the post office, right? And she said, yeah, but grand, talking to her grandson, said, yeah, but you know, that little computer or machine won't smile at, at, at me and ask me about my arthritis or how I'm feeling this week or how I'm doing uh, uh, with, my, with my new retirement. And you think about it, as Christians, as we express kindness to people, do we take time just to stop and show them some kindness? Do we stop and just ask them, how are you doing? How has God blessed you? Have we just sent a smile or send some kindness their way? And also not only just giving it in action, but also kindness gets you out of your comfort zone. Samaritans were supposed to have nothing to do with this man, yet he was pushed out of his comfort zone because he saw a need and he went and did it and he did it out of his comfort zone. So one good indicator we're not walking in kindness is when we just stay in our little bubble. When we stay in our little when we stay in our own little comfort zone. When we just do things for our family, our friends, and those who we know, and we never work outside of our circle. Listen, it's a good, good indicator to see how far outside of your circle are you going. Because if you're just inward and, and you just always take care of your own, think about it. You may not be yielding to kindness in your life. Because kindness pushes you out of your comfort zone. It pushes you out of your, your routine. As we walk in the spirit of kindness, let God work in our routines. See a waitress or a waiter not just to serve you food, but to ask them how their life is doing and see if you could be a witness to them. See a friend or a neighbor and not just say, hey, and dodge them, but say, hey, can I help you? Can I, can I show you the love of Christ in some tangible way? When we get out of our comfort zone, when we extend kindness, when we get out of our bubble. And yes, kindness will require sacrifice. It's going to cost you some time. Might even cost you some money. You might have to buy someone dinner. You might have to take the risk and be willing to pay the price. But let me tell you, as we look to other people, we've got to realize that we, we can express kindness to them and it helps you and it helps me because you help someone who's worse off than you are. I know sometimes we get to the point where we have our own pity parties and we think we're so bad off. And I was complaining today about my knee. My knee's been sore. It's like, Lord, man, my knee is sore. You know, get up. Man, my knee is sore. And I just so happened to leave here to go eat lunch and I go by the little... Um, Atlas place here. It's a physical therapy place. There was a man coming out putting a wheelchair in the back of his car and he was about my age and from his thigh down was his, his leg was amputated. And he was literally trying to hop from the back of his car to the driver's seat of his car. I was like, oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> like My knee may be sore, but thank God I got a knee. You know what I mean? Like, thank God I got a knee. And listen, I may, uh, may be sore, but I, I don't have to hop from my back of my car to the front of my car and immediately just put on my heart that when we look around, we, we, there are people less fortunate than us. And we may have a hard time. We may be going through tough times, but when we try to express kindness, look, the people are less fortunate, less available. 
than what you have or with less resources and be available for God to express the kindness, be willing to pay the price for someone else. And obviously, kindness always puts other people first. You can't be a kind person and a selfish person. You can't be a kind person and be all about yourself. No, kindness puts others first. Listen, here's the deal. The fruit of the Spirit is expressed in our life like electricity. I was thinking about this. You know, with electricity in a, in a building, we were wiring our new building. You know, when it comes in, it comes in and it makes, goes to a breaker. It goes through the whole system and then it goes back out through a neutral and so it conducts all the way through and goes back out. So literally what happens is when you have a complete circuit, it comes in and it goes all the way through and it goes back out. But when you have an open circuit, you have a grounded circuit, or you have, you have an incomplete circuit, that electricity comes in and wherever that circuit breaks, guess what happens? It stops. It doesn't go any further. It doesn't continue through the house and back to the, to the power company. No, it stops right where it is. And you know, it, got to me, it got me thinking that's exactly how the Spirit of God works. That, that God is the Spirit. He is the source. And as He empowers, it's like, a, it's like an electrical current. As He comes through our lives, are we a closed circuit or are we an open circuit? Are, are we a complete circuit where the, 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 the power of God flows through us? and it goes to other people, and it goes back to God, or does it stop with us? Have we experienced the kindness of God, and have we experienced His goodness in our life, and it stops with us? Shame on us. Have we become so apathetic that the Spirit of God stops with us, and we are unwilling to be used by God to to help serve other people? Or are we going to be a complete circuit Allow the Spirit of God produce kindness in our life so it will flow through us and it will be fulfilled for His kingdom. Think about it. In your life, can you identify the spirit of kindness in it? Or are you fighting against apathy? Listen, the flesh will choose apathy every time. The Spirit will choose kindness every time. It doesn't matter how sorry you feel for somebody. It doesn't matter how much you wish you could help someone. If you never act it out, if you never yield to the spirit of kindness, then you will never act upon that, and it will never flow through your heart and life. And may we be kind. May the Spirit of God not only move our hearts with love, but may it move our hands with the love of Jesus Christ. And may we do something about it. Let's pray together.